welcome everyone. For those of you here in person or tuning in online, we're so grateful that you are here as a part of this series that we launched last week called The Usual Suspects, taking a look at some characters from the beginning of Scripture, the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and trying to understand how you and I are just like them in so many different ways. It's going to be a blast to walk through this with you. If you have not tuned into part one of this series, Pastor Jamie absolutely killed it last week. So you're going to want to make sure that you go to centennialroad.com or tune in on YouTube or our podcast to kind of catch up on that and think through the kintsugi of humanity, the imperfection of humanity and how God restores and makes beauty out of what was previously broken. It's going to be an awesome, awesome series, and I'm glad that you are here. I want to share a story with you, and the story is this. I remember being a young 16-year-old guy and studying for my license out in Western Canada and Alberta, and part of that process, if you took a driver's education course, and then you'd get this massive discount on your insurance, and so as a, a young single male who was you know, having his insurance paid for by his parents, that was a really good idea for me to do, and so they registered for me, to, me for this course, and it just so happened to be across the city, and so it was in a place where I didn't know anybody. It was in Calgary. I didn't know anybody that I was going to this class with. And and wouldn't you believe I I showed up late that first day and the only space that was available is right at the front, kind of like coming to church. You know, the only space that's available when you come late is right at the front, but it's the best seat in the house. And so I was sitting in that front seat and we're walking through a variety of different things and I'm trying to absorb everything that's happening and some of it is being retained in my brain and others of it I'm in another foreign planet and I'm not registering. But then our instructor asked us this question and she said, hey, how many of you would call the cops on somebody that you suspect to be under the influence of driving? And I was in the front and so I shot my hand up. I was the only one in my class that shot my hand up. And I found that out really quickly because as soon as my hand went up, I started getting heckled from the background. Loser, you got no friends. I was like, I know, I'm in the front row. <laughs> it was one of those moments in my life where I felt utterly alone, abandoned, not supported, and definitely ridiculed. Like nobody would eat lunch with me. Nobody wanted to have a conversation with me because I was that guy that was going to turn my friends into the police if they were doing something wrong. And I was like, no, I was actually trying to love my friends. Have you ever felt or had a time in your life where you felt like you were abandoned, that you were standing alone and nobody was there? Were you invited to persevere through that challenge? That's what we're going to focus on today, this theme and this idea of perseverance. What do we do when we have moments just like this? Because surprise, spoiler alert, there's going to be many moments in your lifetime that you will feel like you are alone taking a stand for something. And it's in that moment, what you choose to do that can make all the difference in the world. If you've got a Bible with you, we're going to dig into the story of a man named Noah and his family. So app your way there, tap it on your screen, or open up your digital or analog version, and let's get to it. Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to dive in to 6, 7, and 8 different pieces. So you want to keep it handy, and you'll be able to follow along. This section of, of uh, Scripture in my Bible, I love the subtitle, so I'm just going to start there. It says, A World Gone Wrong. Whatever God created, it's now gone completely wrong, off the rails, 
And this is the kind of overflow and aftermath of what is happening. I'm going to start reading in verse 5 of the 6th chapter. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Talk about an intense situation here. Everything has gone wrong and the, the grief, the despair, the frustration, the anger, all that stuff is bubbling up in God. And so he's overwhelmed to the point of like, I, I wish I never created any of this. Let's wipe it out and start again. But Noah found favor. Here's what he says about Noah a little while longer. Let's pick it up in verse uh, number nine. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. The only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed that all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all the living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out, wipe all of them out along uh, with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and all of the animals." So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Wait a minute. So chaos, calamity, I'm going to destroy everything, but don't worry, go build a boat. <laughs> See, Noah found favor in God's mind and heart, and so God um, wanted to preserve what was good. And so he created this plan with Noah and said, this is what I want you to do. And he gives him a whole bunch of elaborate instructions, 450 feet long, this wire, put the door here, covered it, this 18-inch gap all around in between the roof and the walls so that there's airflow and movement. Oh, and make sure you take enough food. Like lots of detailed instructions along the way. Have you ever thought about this? What if Noah decided not to follow those examples and those instructions to a T? 
Like, what if he was like, you know, 450 feet, I think I could do it better for 414 feet. That way I'm not going to have to make as many cuts and it's going to be much simpler. Then he wouldn't have had enough room. Or what if he did like a 24-inch gap instead of an 18-inch gap? Or what if he decided to put the door on the roof instead of the side? Like he was given these instructions and he had to follow them out exactly as God laid it out for him because that was the way forward. Now, here's the first big idea I want to land on you and I today. Partial obedience or even delayed obedience is still disobedience. Partial obedience or delayed obedience is still disobedience. When God said, build a boat 450 feet long, he was expecting the boat to be 450 feet long. No gaps, no shortcuts, exactly to his specifications. How often in our lives do we do something that's just a little less than what God has intended? We look for a shortcut. We want to rapidly grow ourselves or we want to circumvent the process that is maturing character and growth. We want to speed it up in some way or we want to take a flying leap and trust that God's going to bless our plan instead of immersing ourselves in his presence and understanding what his plan is for our lives. If Noah did any of those things, you and I wouldn't be here. If Noah took a shortcut, you and I wouldn't be here. Now, I've often wondered, why would Noah want to save cats? I don't get it. Or rats. Or mice. Or all of the things that scurry along the ground. But he did everything the Lord instructed him to do. Perfectly. To the best of his ability. And the truth is, sometimes you and I just don't do that. Especially in our world today, where we think we can think our way out of a problem, solve it on our own with our own ingenuity or advancements in technology or this, that, or the other. We think that we can figure things out before God can. (laughs) We can't. He sees what we don't. And he gives us the best plan for our lives. Jesus said a whole bunch of different things when he was alive on this earth. One of them that still radiates with me to this very day is the the last chapter in the book of Matthew where he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Several weeks ago, we put out a challenge and we said, you know what, for the rest of this year here in 2021, despite what we might be facing or not facing, fourth wave, eighth wave, 15th wave, whatever it's going to be, restrictions heightened, lessened, you name it. What if we would devote ourselves to invest in people just like Jesus asked us to? My question is this, have you done that? If Jesus invites us to do this, are we doing that or are we doing it like, that's a really good idea. I'm going to cheer somebody on from the sideline. Woohoo! You go. I'm just not ready yet. See, partial obedience or delayed obedience is still disobedience. Imagine zipping along the 401 and you are cruising, you know, like 140K, woo, weaving in and out of traffic. You think you own the place. And all of a sudden in the rearview mirror, you've got these two colored lights start swirling, a red and a blue. Now you've got a couple of choices to make. 
you can try and outrun the popo. That ain't going to work. Or you can be compliant to what they're asking you to do. That's pull over and get your license taken for stunt driving. See, a lot of times we have these overtures, these invitations from the Lord, and he's saying, hey, I need you to either pull over, speed up, change lanes, do something, make sure that you're following what I've invited you into. And instead of seeing those things, you and I completely ignore them. They don't even stick to us. We're like water off a duck's back. We're like, oh, that's very nice. What's the next thing? If Noah didn't follow those instructions specifically, you know what he would have ended up with? A leaky boat. A leaky boat. And too many of us right now, we are living in leaky boats. We wonder why we're overwhelmed, why we're not prepared, why we feel like maybe we don't know what's going on or we feel stressed out or anxious or all this stuff. It's probably because you're in a leaky boat. There might be some part of your world that you haven't yet submitted fully to Jesus. You're resisting whatever it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's I don't want to go where he's sending me. I don't want to do what he's asking me to do. I definitely don't want to love my neighbor because their dog poops on my lawn all the time. I don't know what it is. But my, my hunch is this. There's some part of your world that is yet fully submitted to the power of Jesus. And we want the blessings of Jesus, but we're not willing to submit to the power and the authority of Jesus in all areas, our sexuality, our finances, the way we think about ourselves and other people, what we watch on TV, what we don't watch on TV, what we read what we give ourselves to, where we calendar our time and our priorities, all of those things. Friends, we are in a moment of desperation in our world right now. There might not be a literal flood coming, but there is definitely a metaphorical one happening right now. We have been overwhelmed. We've been beaten down. We've been frustrated and confused. We don't know which way is up, which way is left, which way is right. We don't know if the pandemic is past us, still happening, or going to happen again. We don't know all of those things. I'm telling you, we are in a space where we need Jesus to show up. And unless you and I are willing to fully sell out to what God is inviting us into, we're going to be trying to paddle in a leaky boat. Because partial obedience or delayed obedience, it's still disobedience. Thankfully, our story doesn't end here. There's more to learn. Let's look at chapter 7 together. I'm going to highlight the first seven or first four verses of this chapter for you. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family for among... Excuse me, let me read that again. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal I have approved for eating and for sacrifice and take one pair of each of the others. Also, take seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be a male and female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive on the earth after the flood. Seven days from now, 
I will make sure the rains pour down on the earth and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I have wiped from the earth all the living things I have created. The construction is done, the work is done, the boat's together, and more instructions are to follow. Not only is he able to uh, have all his family there loaded and everything, pairs of every animal, make sure there's a male and female so that there's procreation after the flood, and then seven pairs of certain kinds of animals that have been improved for eating and sacrifices, so you have enough sustenance for the journey. And then he says, seven days from now, like once you're in the boat, seven more days, that's when the rain's going to start. Seven days. Imagine being in that moment. The boat is built. Everybody's trying to figure out what you're doing with with this big, massive structure. You lock yourself away in it, and you still have seven days of waiting. I don't know about you, but I would see that as an opportunity to heckle. Right? You see somebody waiting with, with, with something that seems completely outlandish, outlandish and ludicrous. I would definitely be like, dude, I'm mocking you because this is not happening. The second big lesson I think that we learned from Noah's life is this. Can we stand firm in the midst of ridicule and chaos? Can we wait seven days for God to show up? bear the full weight and the brunt of that, that space, the emotional reality of, of being seen, exposed, vulnerable, and having people heckle you. When I was in that driver's ed class and I found out that was the only one that put up my hand, I felt, like I said, alone, exposed, vulnerable, seen. What I didn't know was the next piece of information my instructor was going to give us. She asked me to put my hand down and said, thank you. I understand that you might have some convictions that would allow you to do that. And and I appreciate that and respect that. Now, to everybody else who didn't answer the way that this gentleman did, here's what I need you to know. My daughter was lost in a car accident due to drunk driving because her friends didn't call the authorities and make sure that she was safe. For the next 15 plus minutes, this mom poured out her heart in a real honest and passionate way. I had no idea that was her story. No idea at all. But I stood with my convictions. I tried to stand firm in the midst of the ridicule and what was chaos. And thankfully, I didn't have to wait seven days. It was like like 15 minutes. But it was painful. See, far too often in our world today, what happens is if we feel pressed or pushed or or prodded in some way by some sort of societal pressure or internal pressure or or something like that, we we fold instead of standing firm. Imagine imagine being Noah and being like, you put in all that effort and that work, you build the boat, God says, okay, seven days from now, and you're like, the boat's done, man. I want to go floating now. So if I got to do seven more days, like I'm just walking away from this. This is crazy. Seven more days? I'm ready to go right now. And sometimes that's how you and I approach the life that we're in. We're asked to stand in the middle of a storm, to be an anchor a hope of hope, to be a lighthouse in the midst of chaos. Sometimes people wrestle with this question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? 
is so that he can rewrite narratives of hope so that others that don't yet know him can see what it looks like to face challenges in a God-ordained way. You may have been somebody that's faced a real challenging health diagnosis at some point in your life, or you might get to that point at some point in your life. That's an opportunity for you to stand firm in the midst of that chaos right there. You can be a a source of hope, a source of, of meaning and purpose as people see you walking through your journey In whatever degree you allow them to, they get to see Jesus. If you're willing to submit everything that you're going through to him, knowing that he's got a purpose and a plan that you and I sometimes just don't understand because it's far beyond what we can see and what we can understand. My mom is a two-time breast cancer survivor. I remember the first time that she told us she had cancer, And she mentioned, yeah, I think I'm going to die. The second time that she got diagnosed with cancer, her brother reminded her, yeah, I think you're going to die. You get a diagnosis like that, and that's the first thing that you think of. You face a challenge that's frustrating, and that's the first thing that you think of. This is going to overtake me. I'm not going to be able to weather the storm, and it's true. You are not going to be able to weather that storm. You by yourself ain't no way you're going to be able to weather that storm. But it's because Noah was walking so closely with God that he's like, what's seven days? I can wait for that. What's rain? I can wait for that. The perspective that we need to stand firm in the midst of ridicule and chaos comes from our connection with Jesus. If we have one that is vibrant and growing, then you will be able to face the storms that come your way. If you do not, then you're going to be taken out. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to fall. But even in those moments, God can still rescue. You just need to call out to him. Noah and his family, they're on the boat. It starts to rain. It does exactly what God says. Seven days later, it's happening. 40 days, 40 nights, just getting pelted. It's crazy. And then that 41st day arrives, and the rains stop. Now, there's water everywhere, but the rains stop. You can see the sun again. Yay! And there's still more waiting that has to ensue and, and shortly, you know, after, after a bunch of just different scenarios where they're sending out birds trying to find dry land, the moment arrives, and the bird that they send out doesn't return. And it's really awesome because they start getting excited and go, like, the waters must be receding. We must be getting close to the moment where we can get out of this boat and go our separate ways, create a new way forward for all of humankind. I want to pick up the story in chapter 8, verse 14, 15, I believe. Then God said to Noah, 
Leave the boat, all of you, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals that scurry along the ground so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. So Noah, his wife, and his sons and their wives left the boat. And all of the large, small, large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. I will never destroy again, I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Sometimes it's difficult for us to understand that perseverance has a purpose. And that purpose is to reveal God's promise. All of this chaos and calamity that this one family faces it's so that God's promise can be revealed. Jesus says it like this again from uh, Matthew chapter 28. He says that I will be with you even until the very end of the age. I will be with you even until the very end of the age, the very end of all things. See, a lot of times we believe a lie when we're facing a challenging situation. We're alone. Sometimes physically we are alone because we're the only one with our hand raised in a room. But even in that moment, you're not alone. In the moment where you're facing a terrible struggle in your mindset to try and figure out what it is that you're going to do, you're not alone in that struggle. In the moment when you feel the most relational intense pain that you've ever experienced in your life, in that moment, you are not alone. In the moment that you feel like there is no way that I can figure this out on my own financially or relationally, that moment, you're not alone. The health diagnosis, the work-related situation, the stuff that you do not yet know, the unknown, even in the unknown, you are not alone. That is the promise that God gives to us. That is a promise that Jesus makes to us. And the only way Noah and his family are able to weather the storm that they're in is because they cling to that promise. There's a purpose in perseverance, and it's to reveal God's promise. How many of you have, have prayed? No show of hands. How many of you have ever prayed like this? God, I want you to show up in my life. I want you to reveal yourself to me. And then you face a hardship of some kind and you question whether or not God is active and moving. Maybe he's using that to reveal himself to you. Maybe he's actually answering you in the way that you've prayed. God, I want to grow deeper. Sometimes to grow deeper, you got to work harder. If I go to the gym and I'm trying to build muscle on my body, I've got to lift heavier weights. Now, the cool thing about that is the weight that we feel and we bear, we don't have to bear alone. 
When we bear it alone, we get broken. But when we bear it along with Jesus, he mends our brokenness, heals us, restores us, and provides a way forward. So it's the middle of summer. We're talking about Noah. Why? Because some of us need to remember that even partial obedience is still disobedience. You're in a leaky boat. You're in a leaky boat and you know it and you can't repair the boat on your own. You need Jesus. Some of us are in a very challenging situation, whether it's in your home life or your work life or some other aspect of the world around you, and you are needing to stand firm in the midst of ridicule and chaos. The only way you can do that is with Jesus. And some of you, some of us need to be reminded that God's promise is being revealed through everything that we are experiencing right now. You are not alone despite the challenge you're facing. And I can't help but believe that we are in one of those three spaces right now. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Jesus. Whether it's a heart of repentance going like, Jesus, I've withheld this part of myself from you. And I need you to, to mend my leaky boat right now. Whether it's like, Jesus, I feel like I'm giving in and I don't need to be giving in. You're asking me to stand firm. I need you to give me the strength. Or whether it's a, I need to have your perspective with what I'm going through right now. I need to see the promise that you're revealing through all the things that I am enduring right now. Can you show me what you're up to? One of those three spaces, we're going to go to Jesus. We're going to do that in a couple of different ways. I'm going to invite you to engage in worship as we respond together. Maybe that's taking a posture of worship right where you are. Tuning in at home even. Maybe it's getting off of your couch. Maybe it's, it's lifting your hands up. Maybe it's taking a posture of kneeling. I don't know. But Jesus is going to invite you into that. But maybe here if you're in this space, it's going to mean coming forward right to the front in a physically distanced way in reality as a declaration not to us but to Jesus of going like, look, I need to sort this out with you. I got to deal with my partial obedience, disobedience thing or I need to see how you're going to give me the strength to endure what it is that I'm facing right now or I need to just understand the promise that you're revealing through the chaos that I'm experiencing in a personal way. And there's going to be an opportunity to do that. So as I pray and as we sing and worship this last song together, I want to invite you to come to Jesus, wherever you are, with whatever's in your hand at the moment. Ask him, and he will guide you and give you a way forward, always. Because he will always be with you, even to the very end of all things. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful that we can learn from a man like Noah and his family who thousands of years ago lived and moved and breathed and faced a really challenging situation. Yet you came through. You are who you say you are. And I confess, Jesus, that, Jesus, that there are many times where I just, I don't stand on that truth, that promise. I question it. 
I question it because I'm afraid. Is this time, is this going to be the time where it breaks? This, this feels really heavy. Is this going to be the time that I'm going to be completely taken out? And Jesus, there are moments even in my own life where I have had seasons of partial obedience. For that, I say, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive us that can identify with those uh, realities? And would you instead allow us to experience you for who you are? You are a God that loves. You are a God that cares. You are the God that provides a way forward where there is no way. You are the God that fixes leaky boats. You are the God who gives us strength to stand firm. And you are the God who reveals himself to us in our desperate moments of need. So very these next few moments, Lord, we just give this time to you. Whatever you want to do, however you want to move us, however you want to encourage us or heal us or restore us, we are okay with that. We receive that through the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you live and breathe and move? Give us the words to say, the actions to participate in so that we can be a people of hope wherever you place us, just like Noah. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.